Hello and welcome to the You Matter to Christ podcast. Many of our listeners and guests call this podcast an experience because throughout the variety of extraordinary people we have on the show, you'll hear stories of overcoming trauma, hitting record-breaking business goals, people forgiving the unforgivable, and yes, even miracles that will shock and inspire you. On this show, you'll hear from professional athletes, entrepreneurs, and everyday people from all walks of life. Discover the profound truth that regardless of your background or circumstances, you matter deeply to the creator of the universe. You were made for a purpose, and you matter to Christ. Get ready for inspiring stories, personal testimonies, and uplifting messages that remind us of the unchanging love and grace available to all. And remember this, you matter to Christ. Hey everybody, Chad Burmeister, and I'm your host of the Living a Better Story podcast. Today, I'm with a really cool person. Um, he kind of takes after my uh, where my heart is, and that's skiing. And uh, me and my son, my son's the boarder, and I'm the skier in the family. But uh, I, I want to introduce Vince the right way. So we live in an age of speed, no doubt about it. Learning how to get past any overwhelm while thriving at the same time is the expertise you'll take away from our next speaker. With insights from his best-selling books, The Age of Speed, The Ant, and The Elephant, you will hear about a man who went from recreational skier to the Olympics in just four years. Wow, I can't even imagine. Rocketing to an incredible 135 miles per hour on skis in the Winter Games, followed by 20 years of helping Fortune 500 companies go to full speed ahead. You'll get an invigorating and entertaining perspective on gliding through the demands we each face. I love gliding. That's a smooth word. Please welcome an inductee into the Speaker Hall of Fame, Olympian, New York Times bestselling author, and second chair clarinet player in his high school band, Vince Pacente. Vince, hey, Chad. Thanks for being here. Good to see you. Man, I know one other Olympic skier, and he did the, the long jump, and this was maybe just I don't know, four to five years ago, Tom is his name. I can't remember his last name here in Colorado. And um, I could tell he was Olympian when I met him just yeah. by the air that he walks in the room. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. There is a certain kind of collegial. Uh, I know what it took to get here. I know it took for you to get here. So there's this kind of uh, interesting thing at the athletes village that you get a get an experience except in tokyo obviously who knows what that was like on cardboard beds who knew yeah that would have been interesting well and i what i love about your story is recreate from recreational skier to olympian people yeah. who are sitting in the chair and going to olympic village it, it really is you and me i mean we're here talking today it, it can yeah. be it, it really can be anybody who puts their mind to it um yeah. so i'm, I'm going to really enjoy digging into this i like to go back for our audience to get to know you what they know is you've written a lot of books, you've gone really fast on skis, and you made it to the Olympics, and that's outstanding. Tell us about when you were younger, five, six, seven, your first memories as a kid. Have you always been a competitor? Like, what was your passion then? Well, you know, I, I was a just a curious kid like anybody else, but uh, I remember in high school, a friend had passed away, 
she, her name was Jill Kudrick. She was 17 years old. And it was a wake up call. And you may have experienced that with a friend, some sort of tragedy or something. But in our teenage years, we think we're, we'll live forever. And then, and then, you know, you get this sense of mortality going to a funeral for a friend. And I made a decision at that moment to do everything at least once, to try everything at least once, it, because life might be shorter than expected, you know? So that sense of uh, urgency kicked in about the age of 16. And then since then, it's just like, uh, you know, fit in as much life as you possibly can. So that's what I would attribute, you know, the loss of Jill Kudrick was part of the reason I got so curious about trying new things. And I tried luge actually for a little bit, but quit and um, watched my buddies march in the opening ceremonies. So when I was 26 years old, I chose the sport of speed skiing. And, and then um, four years later, I was vying for the gold medal in the Olympic Games. So to your, to your point, you know, you can kind of set your sights on something and maybe even surprise your own expectations. I love that. Um, wow. My, my daughter had a friend at age 14 that died. And it was pretty devastating at the time. And so I think sharing your story would be interesting for her because it's, you know, what, what happens to us happens to us. What we do with that is, is what matters. And so you obviously said, okay, the ticker started. I got to go experience life. And, and it accelerated your journey to go do well, that. Yeah. Let's explore that for a second, because when, you have a defining moment, a moment of emotional intensity. Those defining moments are always followed by a decision. And uh, repeatedly, you know, I saw the opening ceremonies when I was 14 years old on TV. But that was a moment of emotional intensity. I thought that would be the coolest thing. But then I remembered I played clarinet in the band, right? And so, uh, you know, and I can scan back over my life of defining moments where there was uncertainty and I stepped back. I didn't step in. I didn't engage. I was afraid or whatever. And, um, and then paid the price later on of regret, you know? So that really is one of my tenets in life is to have no regrets, just no regrets. There, there was a great story. Will Smith was thinking of going on a skydiving adventure. And he uh -huh. talks about it in like a three minute YouTube clip yeah. and how he was scared and nervous and etc cetera, etc cetera. finally he's there he jumps and it was exhilarating it was awesome and we tell ourselves these stories of oh you know like today i have 16 meetings today because i was out for two weeks and i have another 12 tomorrow actually i take that back tomorrow's the daughter moving day to college yeah right. after that i have another 12 and i'm just going you know am i built for today and that lasts for about a half a second and you're like dude, you know, you love this when you get involved in these conversations. And so it's like, now that I'm in living a better story, we've had 60, 70 people on the podcast in four months. And it's awesome. But I wouldn't have known that it was awesome unless I clicked the go button. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. really cool. Tell me, um, how does playing the clarinet and you know, having the, the loss experience that you just shared, how did that now you know, how did that get you to where you are? Like, you know, what did that propel you? Did that propel you to where you're doing, what you're doing today? I, I call it mathematics of opportunity. And it's very simple. You open a door 
and look for what other doors there are to open, right? And so just keep opening doors and then something will show up. And I, mm. I, I actually call them soul taps where you get a little tap on the shoulder, metaphorical tap on the shoulder is like, pay attention, pay attention to this. Do we know what it means? I, mean, I remember back, actually it was about 14 years old. I, I watched the speech of a politician named Peter Lougheed. I'm from Canada. And Peter Lougheed spoke to 5,000 people and he was just captivated this audience. And I thought, that's it. I want to be a politician. <laughs> <laughs> and so for, for years, I just knew that that was my destiny. You know, <laughs> I got a, a soul tap to pay attention. I opened the door. I started to give speeches at conferences. And after the Olympics, I, you know, started to realize, wait, I don't want to be a politician. <laughs> I want to be a speaker. You know, I want to give to speak to rooms full of people and really motivate them, inspire them. And so I've taken this Olympic story, which was originally, you know, I thought, well, of course, if somebody's in front of a room, they're a politician. I, I mean, we kind of get a little bit um, locked in, right? We got those blinders and we think, oh, no, this is the way, this is the way, this is the way. And if we kind of take the blinders off, sometimes an opportunity kind of floats by. You go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That utilizes all my skill sets. It, <laughs> it lets checks a lot of boxes. I like to travel. So it's like, okay, that one lets me travel. Yeah. I enjoy doing that aspect of the job. And you're like, huh. Yeah. So open doors and open the next door and the next door after that. That's, right. awesome. That's outstanding. Yeah. So a lot of people experience a challenge in life. And I'm finding that there's a similar bounce back kind of evolution, if you will. Um, I guess first part of the question is, is there something that, you know, that was tough for you in life? Obviously, you lost a friend at a long, young age. That's, that's a big yeah. one. I'm sure there's other speed bumps along the way that feel like yeah. mountains at the time. What did you go through? And what, what advice would you give to someone going through a devastation of their own right now? Yeah, well, that, that's the key word, devastation. And, you know, I've had setbacks or loss of friends. I lost my dad when Actually, he, when my dad was my age right now, 59, that's when he passed away. And, uh, you know, so I, I look at those life experiences as setbacks. But devastation has a whole set of circumstances that result from that. And it's really, I experienced it personally when um, uh, in 2008, when the financial crisis happened. Now, you got to kind of back story this a little bit. You know, I, I went from recreational skier to the Olympics in four years. I kind of thought, wow, I can really, I've got this. I, I one time parachuting, Will Smith, I was parachuting, my parachute didn't open, right? And then I went to, I was a solo jump. It was my second jump. <laughs> and it was uh, one of those static lines. The main chute didn't open. So I had to go back into free fall and then, and then have the wherewithal to, make the reserve shoot come out. And so, you know, and then scanning for from the Olympics, uh, being inducted into the Hall of Fame for speakers with Zig Ziglar and Og Mandino and Jim Rohn, you know, these icons. <laughs> and so I'm starting to think, wow, I've got I've got this down. And then New York Times bestselling list is like, yeah, whoa, poof, I can do anything. Yeah, I'm over the hill. I made it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and then 2008 hits and I could not figure out how to recover from that financial setback. And I, I had done a couple of, you know, maybe ego-driven initiatives that were at the same time that had a couple of commas in the, you know, it was a very, very expensive lesson. 
And it took me years and years to try and get out of this kind of devastation, financial devastation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it compromised my family uh, experiences. You know, that kind of we stayed, my wife and I stayed together. We just stuck it out. And, but I really realized that when we go through a massive setback, like uh, divorce or bankruptcy or cancer or a pandemic, you know, then we experience uh, a version of being stuck that has us doubt ourselves, that has, has us realize that we feel like we may, maybe I lost it. Um, and just speaking from experience, I started to realize that there is, is it's, the opening line of this next book I wrote called The Earthquake, about personal earthquakes, the opening line is there's no linear way out of chaos. And so when we find ourselves in a chaotic, devastating situation, um, there's no prescriptive model that we can follow. There's no um, step one, step two, step three, step four. Uh, if there is, I could not find it. And that was my sandbox, right? This is what I do for a living. And so I found something called this, I established something called the solution loop. And effectively, is it, does this work? Does this work? Does this work? Does this work? You know, and, and uh, that, that persistence in unknowing, that persistence in faith, if you will, the persistence in being able to um, uh, be curious and creative and testing out things is, uh, is critical to that journey, which is tough when you feel stuck or you feel alone or feel like it's uh, hopeless. You know? that, that bug hit me in March, 2019. So I know exactly what you're talking about. And we were yeah. doing 200 grand a month and we went down to 20 and payroll was up at hundred or 150. And I was yeah. like, whoa, 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 How, what? And it was chaotic. And it was a month. I was doing puzzles and just hanging out with my wife more. There was positives of the setback like that, but there's also yeah. negatives. Yeah. Well, I met a guy named John Guyden who played for CU football. He's a buff and uh, uh, I'm a CSU guy, so it won't hold it against him. <laughs> but he he gave me this phrase and it's called it's it's yabba dabba do is, you know, from the Flintstones. So it's yeah, but it's 2008. You don't understand. I'm upside down. Two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, but Bob, you know, and it's all these yeah, buts. And then if it's yeah, but yeah, but do. So he has a whole audience go. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. but And, and to your, you know, it's just put one foot in front of the other, try, try again, try again before you know it. And, and it also helps by the way, to have some third party people like yourself in their corner. Right. And I I had about 10 or 12 people on my board of advisors that are like, do this, try this, try this before you know it two months later, best month ever. Really? And wow. it was, it just rebounded like you would not believe. So wow. I love wow. that. I wasn't that lucky. It, it took me years to, to kind of establish. I mean, there, there was one point and this is year because the self doubt really starts to insidious, right? Yeah. Um, driving down the road, looking at the gas tank on empty, getting pounded by debt collectors. I mean, um, lawsuits, people saying we want our money there's no money and the bankruptcy guy said yeah you can't afford to be you know can't afford to to go bankrupt however that worked and in the uh drawer the uh the uh, where the ashtray used is were quarters and i scooped out all those quarters and went into the gas station and put down seven dollars and 25 cents in quarters to pay for my gas right 
and standing just to my left were two moms that, that were moms of my daughter's friends, you know, and they're the talky talk friends, you know, the ones that talk to each other and everybody else. Did you hear? <laughs> and it's not that I was really even worried about that because by then, you know, you get so pounded. It's like, oh, I'm just doing my best. Um, but it's just these really low moments that it, it, it almost seems trivial to go, well, don't give up, just keep trying. You know, it's like, I, if this, this is hard, you know, and so it can be hard, but to, to you brought it up, you're not alone, right? You reached out wisely to your board of advisors and you were able to bounce back. And, and for some of us, it takes longer. So. so what advice would you give other than reaching out to colleagues or, and that always surprises me. You, if someone reached out to me and said, I'm at the bottom and I just yeah. need help, I'd be like, when are we going to meet and what time? And yeah. how many days in a row? It doesn't matter, right? Like yeah. people will help. But what else can they do if they're stuck after a personal earthquake? Well, it, uh, there is a book coming out, The Earthquake. And at the very beginning of the book, I talk about grasp the contradiction. The reason I bring that up is we have a conscious and subconscious mind, right? And in a second of time, the conscious mind's using 2,000 neurons communicating thought. But in the same second, the subconscious mind is processing with 4 billion neurons, right? I always thought it was four than M, but it's for the B. Oh my goodness. B, yeah, <laughs> two million times larger. So the, uh, the whole concept behind the, the activity of the conscious and subconscious mind is the exact same ratio between an ant and an elephant. So if you can picture an ant on the back of an elephant making decisions on direction, right? The ant says, I wanna go west. But what if the elephant is headed east, right? The ant thinks he's going west because he doesn't see elephant. He just sees a gray landscape. But if it's on the back of the elephant and you can end up east going, how did I end up here? Like I intended to be here and I ended up here financially or physically or relationships or, or whatever this dysfunction is. And so the, it's different when you're on a path, let's say, to get to the Olympics or to build a business or something. It's a very linear path align your ant and elephant to go in the same direction. Uh, and that's what a book I wrote in 2003, The Ant and the Elephant. But I realized that in this state of devastation, that what got you here isn't necessarily going to get you there. So applying principles that I thought would work from the Olympics to get back out of this devastation wasn't working. And the, that's a long way of saying grasp the contradiction is about the conscious intention, letting go of any kind of history and what you think is the solution. And the subconscious mind at the same time, and this is subconscious, below consciousness. So forcing or asking or implying that the subconscious mind will let go of something needs to be grasped, right? From an emotional standpoint that we need to let go of what we feel is the answer and allow a third solution to appear. And so, um, yeah, it, it's, it's like two people in a relationship, the conscious and subconscious mind for that matter, but two people in a relationship driving a vehicle, holding the steering wheel, trying to say, no, 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 <laughs> right? There has to both have to let go of the steering wheel in order to have this vehicle called our body and our mind and our spirit to be able to kind of be aligned and go in the same direction. Uh, that's, not an, that's not a linear notion, right? That's not a, 
uh, a simple concept to just go, oh, I just let go. Well, you know, if, if you had a knife in your leg and I said to you, you know, Chad, uh, don't focus on the knife, just focus on where you want to go. <laughs> and you're going to go, no, I got a knife in my leg and all I can focus on is this knife, you know? So it's, um, it's really uh, that life experience of being able to grasp that contradiction of the conscious and subconscious mind, trying to force something into play. And, yeah. uh, and so once that happens, then you can, then you can seek that, that alignment uh, between the ant and the elephant. The, um, the interesting thing, Robert White is a friend of our family. He now works with me on Living Better Story. And he's, uh, he's graduated 1.3 million people from human potential movement stuff, mindset things, right? And he talks about the third thing, which is very similar to what you're talking about, but in an organization. So, and with couples. Uh, so I, I'm thinking about the country right now and the world, right? With all the strife going on and yeah. left and right and this right. and that and everything. And so the third thing, and it almost like if you think of the world as a consciousness, right? We as people have a consciousness, but we're all part of this human world consciousness. What, and there's the ant and the elephant in that, right. what third thing's going to come along that's going to go, oh, I didn't think of that. Yeah. I feel like that's coming in a bigger sense. I think it is too. I think we have a, a kind of a collective realization that we have to let go of our steering wheel, right? This, this whole concept of how bias is created, right? Mm -hmm. Confirmation bias, repetition bias. Um, Recency bias. I learned if you heard something like- No, what's that? Yeah, that means, so if I tell you something right now about anything, and you go, okay, I heard it from Chad. And then someone else comes and goes, hey, nah, this is what it is. You're 75% right. more likely to believe whoever told you last. <laughs> what? Okay. Well, any kind of bias, right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, the, the bias, the source of that bias is really worth paying attention to because if there is a repetition bias to something that just doesn't make sense, right? Or something that is, wait, wait a minute, wait, why did I believe that? <laughs> and so to have this, this ability to be able to let go of bias uh, is, is an absolute crucial step. And in society, what we're trying to do is, is, um, is um, culture the word compromise. Well, we'll do a bit of my driving and we'll do a bit of your driving and then we'll get there together. And somehow this word compromise just isn't working. It is letting go of your bias. It is them letting go of their bias. And at the same time, it allows this, this, uh, this alignment to occur for the first time. And so, uh, yeah, fingers crossed, we can uh, start to be the solution you know yeah well and i think that's what's coming out of this right i with living a better story if you asked me two years ago hey would you ever start a nonprofit and and kind of have this podcast to talk to amazing people and tell them to share their stories i'd be what are you talking about no but <laughs> here i am <laughs> right. i've let go of the steering wheel um all right la last question and that is and this is one of my favorite usually is about faith. We talked a little bit about it earlier. What role does faith play in your journey as you open up all these different doors and go through the solution wheel? Where's faith play in that? Uh, it is huge. <laughs> it is huge. And I, and I treat faith as not just uh, 
religious faith, but also faith is really the concept of trust, right? Of being in a state of going, uh, I, you know, I, I, in some ways, I feel that the subconscious mind is like a conduit to that um, greater purpose or the being or it's it's like comprehending the incomprehensible right yeah i have a dog around here somewhere and uh you and i know there's math right we know there's math we know two plus two is four and so very simple math concept if we said this to cosmo our dog he would go what <laughs> like so his awareness of something that is actually real is uh it's it's incomprehensible and i think that for me personally there's something that's so incomprehensible, but there's faith that there is um, this synergy, alignment, God. Um, uh, right, that we're part of the, if we play our role in life, yeah, it doesn't really matter. Like the world defines it as certain amount of money, certain kind of house and all that stuff. And it's like, right. what I've realized is if you just get an alignment with where you're happy to wake up, Right. Gary V talks about, it. he's like, I'd rather make $40,000 a year than make a lot of money and be happy making 40,000 a year, align your habits and your patterns to whatever it is you're happy at. And yeah. That's pretty neat. So I don't know if that answers the question, but I certainly, I, I certainly, it would be comical if I said, I got it. <laughs> so it would be comical if, if yes, Cosmo yes. came up and said, I get it. I get the math thing. You know, it's like, really? Well, well, I tell you what, here's one thing I'll leave you with. Yesterday, I talked to a gentleman who does home pastoring, and he didn't start that way. He only has three to eight people come every weekend. He was in prison, I think in Southern California at the time. No, Kansas City. He was in prison 12 years ago. And he said that he was on meth. He has four or five teeth and literally, and he was, he called it broken. And he was like, look, I could take a razor blade, go in the back and end it. Or I could just hand it over and say, hey, look, this is above my pay grade. Just help. You know, I can't do it on my own. And he goes, I made that decision. And then from then on, it was like, okay, now that you've made that decision, he was being told, now you got to go amend this thing. Go do this. Go do that. For the last 12 years. Now he's like, oh, my gosh, I figured it. He did figure it out. But it took being broken. Right. And it sounds like you got to pretty close to that level of state when in 2008 and beyond. And it's amazing. It almost seems like people who are broken in a way that's more broken than you and I have ever experienced mm -hmm. have an easier way of going, Hey man, right. let me let the universe take me on my journey. Right. Yeah. And, and hand over the faith. So it's kind yeah, of, yeah. It says, and then you're in the moment. Which, and then you're in the moment. It's not past or future. It's just be happy now. So that's right. Well, if people want to get a hold of the events. I think you've got an amazing story to tell all of the uh, books that you've written, the ant and the elephant, um, your story of becoming an Olympian and your transparency of the stuff that happens in the middle. I mean, that that's the, that's the power of, of everything that you're doing. So how could people get a hold of you if they want to invite you to talk at their event or any other sure. way. To I am the easiest guy to find. There's this thing called the internet. <laughs> so go forth. You'll find Vince Pacenti in one way or another, social media, my website. Vince right. Olympian ant and elephant. And that'll probably bring you. <laughs> that'll, that'll get you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Vince Pacente, 
I really appreciate you joining the Living Better Story podcast, telling us your story today. Thank you so much for, for coming on. You're welcome, Chad. Take care. All right, everybody. We'll catch you on the next Living Better Story. Thank you for joining us on the You Matter to Christ podcast. We hope this journey has reminded you of the incredible truth that your life holds immense value and significance to Christ. As you go about your day, may you carry the assurance that no matter what you face, you are deeply cherished and loved. Remember, you matter to Christ. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with others who may benefit from this message. Stay tuned for more transformative episodes where we continue to explore the depth of God's love and grace. Until next time, remember that you are not alone. Christ's love is with you, guiding and strengthening you every step of the way. May your life be filled with hope, purpose, and the knowledge that you matter to Christ.